I want the young man to, you know, get himself together and fulfill his potential, which is massive <laughs> on the basketball court. Um, it'd be wonderful if he, you know, is really a believer and, and really does, you know, recommit himself to Christ and begin following him. Uh, that would obviously be the ultimate from our perspective. But, you know, um, I think that, you know, it's just a situation where he's got to really look at, and he mentioned this, look at all that's at stake for him. Um, look at, you know, the money, the endorsements, the image, all that, that he's putting in jeopardy because of some of the decisions that he's made. And he's just got to be smarter. What's good, everyone? Welcome back to the Roommates Podcast. Chris, the star of the show. And we're just going to jump right into it. I have a very, very special guest with me this morning. You have seen this brother all on TV. He's a very, very inspiring person. I love where his heart is at. I love where his head is at. Most importantly, his character. And I think he's a beautiful example of men to follow in today's world. So without further ado, can we all please welcome Mr. Chris Broussard to the podcast? What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good. How you doing, Chris? How's your day going? I'm great. Uh, I'm doing well, man. Uh, the Lord has really been blessing me lately. So, well, all the time, but <laughs> things are going well with family, <laughs> with the career. Uh, I have no complaints. Man, that's beautiful, man. I, I love hearing great stories of how God's been blessing people. And I know recently you just had your King's movement. So you want to give us a small recap on that, um, how that weekend go, you know, what was the vision? What was the plan behind behind in all those things? Yeah, well, as you know, I'm the founder and president of the King Movement. It's a national Christian men's movement or organization. And uh, we have an annual men's conference every year that we call the King Summit. So this past week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had our eighth annual King National Summit, and it was in Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, Enon Tabernacle Baptist Church, which is the largest black church. It might be the largest church, period, in Philadelphia. And uh, it, it was great. We, our theme was Let Us Make Man, because today, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of confusing messages out there as to what manhood is all about. And obviously, as, as believers, as Christians, we believe that God's created us to walk in biblical manhood. And that's laid out in the scripture. And so we came together to promote that. And, um, you know, that, that was really what it was about. But it, it was fantastic. So we had great speakers. Uh, we had Pastor Alan Waller, who is pastor of E9 Tabernacle Baptist Church. We had Dr. Eric Mason. Uh, from oh wow, I, I love his books. Oh, yeah, Eric is great, yeah. and he he did a fantastic yeah. job ministering. I spoke, uh, and we had a lot of football players. We had Brian Dawkins, a Hall of Fame football player for the yep. Eagles, <clears throat> who gave us a message. He's on fire, and he really, you know, you remember how intense he was as a player, and he's just as intense yeah. as a speaker and intense for the Lord. He'll scare you into following Jesus, you know? So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't even fire and brimstone. It was just, 
that strength, that manly strength that he brought, but yet with compassion. Because one thing we say about the, in the King movement is we say not quote unquote toxic masculinity, uh, not uh, effemininity, but Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus had traditional yes. manly values. He was a carpenter. He ran cats out of, you know, the uh, the temple when they were abusing it. So he was about it when he had to be like a man should be. But he also had compassion. He also wasn't afraid to cry. He wasn't afraid to hug his disciples. You know what I mean? So there's a great balance there. Mm -hmm. and, and Ryan exhibits that well. We had the Heisman Trophy winner, Eddie George. He spoke as well. Wow. Uh, that brother also, he, he was asked what his identity is. And he obviously could have said a great former football player. Uh, he's now a head coach at Tennessee State University in HBCU. He said he's a warrior for Christ. Mm -hmm. And so he, he was wow. inspiring. And then Jason Avant, who wasn't a star player, but played for 10 years in the NFL and, and played. He wasn't like a guy you've never heard yeah. of. He was a player and a starter uh, for the Eagles and for the Chiefs. Um, man. So what we do, Chris, we had a basketball tournament, citywide basketball mm. tournament, where we, you know, it's not just for the guys that attended the summit. We had about 600 men at the summit. And then, but the citywide tournaments for people throughout the city, whether they came to the summit or not. And we had Jason share his testimony before we started the tournament. And that brother, man, I didn't know. I knew his story would be powerful as, as most testimonies are, right? Um, but man, he really came from some tough situations he, he shared with us that at, in the fifth grade, he already knew how to cut and sell crack, you know, and he was just in, he was headed down the wrong path, found out he was a great athlete, moved in with his grandmother and she, she was a praying woman and that ended up, you know, changing his life. And, um, his story was so powerful that some of the brothers that came to the tournament, uh, gave their life to Christ. Uh, and so that's really wow. what one thing the weekend wanted to do is is uh, bring men to the Lord who didn't have a relationship with him already and then strengthen brothers who did have a relationship. So all that went on. You know, we had workshops because we didn't want just preaching, which was great, but we wanted yeah. practical yeah. teaching too on sexuality, on finances, on being a husband and a father, uh, a godly husband and father. And then on how to share the gospel, the ambassador from the cross movement, you remember him, a legendary yeah. rapper. He, he taught a workshop on how to share the gospel in a practical way, one-on-one. Wow. Uh, -on -one. And then we, of course, had some rappers on the stage. We had Jafia Life. We had Jay Johnson, uh, Reflect, mm. and uh, Q-Flow. And uh, it, it, was, it was a great, great event all the way around because it was inspiring spiritually it was enlightening mentally, and it was uh, uh, fun with the basketball and with the hip-hop. Yeah. I got to mention last thing. We did also have Brother Damon Richardson do a workshop on urban apologetics. And he okay. is, I call him the GOAT because when it comes to debate, uh, defending the faith, particularly uh, he does all types of apologetics, but particularly against the conscious community, uh, those members of the African-American community that really want to rail against Christianity and 
things like that. He is fantastic in in debating and and just sharing the truths uh, historically about the faith and about all the challenges, answering the myths and the challenges and the misperceptions that people have about Christianity. So it, it was fantastic, man. And next year it's in Cleveland, Ohio uh, in March. Oh, yeah. Uh, same weekend, the weekend before March Madness begins because we don't want to compete with that. But uh, it'll be at the work yeah. church in Cleveland. So uh, God is blessing the movement, man, and we're just trying to be faithful. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I think it's it's lovely to hear, especially as a, you know, as a man that, you know, really desires for men to get to know the Lord just as much as I have. Really just seeing leaders like, you know, you and others really step up and be vulnerable, share your faith and, and urge and push men towards the Lord. I think we need more of, of men and, and, you know, organizations uh, such as the King's Movement to really continue to push those messages forward. Um, because I think a lot of times there's a lot of misconceptions with following Jesus. And I, and I, I asked you um, to see if you can, well, I know you can explain, like, the biblical manhood, because I think a lot of times, you know, when we hear about following Jesus, it's kind of like the sweet, tender, soft, boring, kind of rule-following kind of lifestyle versus where, now, a biblical manhood is, is challenging. It's not easy to follow Jesus every single day. It's, it's caused you to, to push yourself, to, to put yourself in uncomfortable positions, you know, all those things. And I think that's a lot of times um, in our society, especially with the men in our community, that can be a misconception. Absolutely. Um, yeah, man. I mean, you know, ultimately being a Christian is having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, it's not about religion. Uh, it's not about rules and all that, but it is about having this vibrant, intimate relationship with the Lord who created us. And, and one thing I would say to men, I think we can all understand how, you know, important it is to have a relationship, if possible, with your earthly father, right? And mm -hmm. men who, regardless of the situation, you long to know your father. I know brothers, I'm sure you do, who never knew their father. Uh, and, and some who, you know, because of that, they were raised in really tough circumstances. Others who may have been adopted uh, and actually, you know, ended up being raised in a nice situation. But in both, situ both cases and any other case you could name, they still want to be connected to in some way to their biological father, because that's who in a human sense created you. Right. And that's who you came from. Mm -hmm. So that longing is always there. Even myself, my, I had a great relationship with my father. Uh, he died the day after Christmas, December 26, 2022. And I realized that, you know, now that he's gone and, and certainly right after he died, I, I, even though I was a grown man and had, uh, you know, life was going well and I was successful and all that, I still had this desire to please my father and make him proud of me. You know what I mean? And I realized that after he passed, cause you know, it's like you really, man, he's gone and he's not there anymore. And you know, to talk about and to even compliment you or affirm you or whatever. 
And it's the same thing with our heavenly father. I mean, God created us, period. Mm-hmm. And so there's a longing in all human beings to connect with your creator. Just as in the human sense, there's that longing to connect with your earthly creator, your father or your mother. And it's the same thing with our heavenly father. And, you know, you see men and women uh, try to fill that void with sex, with drugs, with money, with power, with success, with work, you know, even not even bad things all the time. Uh, But nothing will fill that void except giving your life to Jesus Christ. Um, because sin steps, you know, keeps us from our relationship with the father. So we need the forgiveness of sin. So then we can come into a relationship mm-hmm. with him. And that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. So, uh, you, you see me, people see me on television. Um, like you said, I think they see, I'm just a regular dude. You know, I obviously talk sports. Uh, people know I'm in the hip hop. People know I'm into the culture, you know, African-American culture. Uh, I talk about a, a variety of things. Um, and I'm not, I don't think people, you know, people probably do in a sense say I'm religious just because I talk about the Lord. But I don't think I come off as religious in that sense of, you know, being stoic and staid and, you know, dressing religiously and, and what whatever misconceptions <laughs> people have. Um, it's just about living your life you know, in, in this relationship with Christ. And as you know, Chris, there's pe- people, that's one of the great things about Christianity is it doesn't, t- it doesn't necessarily ask you to change your culture. You know, if your mm-hmm. culture is hip hop, cool. Just redeem your, your uh, participation in the culture. So use, you know, hip hop to glorify the Lord. If you're in the sports, cool. But just, you know, be an example for the Lord in that realm, in that culture, uh, and so on and so forth, the way you dress, you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, man, I mean, uh, it, it's just, uh, that, those are some of the things I would say about, you know, men following the Lord and um, look to Jesus if, you know, don't look at the quote unquote followers of Jesus. Cause one, mm. some are just hypocrites, right? Yeah. And some are yeah. just, you know, Christians who are living life and growing in the Lord and all of us make yeah. mistakes. And so when you look at the followers of Jesus, in a lot of cases, you'll find fault. Uh, and that might keep you from the Lord, but look at Jesus. Cause when you look at him, you won't find fault. And that's your savior. That's your Lord. It's not me. It's not another Christian. It's not your bishop, the pastor, the Pope, anybody like that. It's Jesus Christ. And so um, I'll tell you, man, you know, I I talk a lot with brothers from the quote unquote conscious community and African-American community. And I tell a lot of man, you know, these dudes are in the Egyptian Egyptology or Kemet, whatever you want to call it, uh, Islam, black. Panthers, that's older, but you know, that mm-hmm. type of sentiment, black power, militancy, whatever it might be. And I share with them Hebrew Israelites, obviously. I share with them a lot of y'all gonna come to Jesus, you know, because that's black history. I mean, you've seen people from yeah. all strains come to Jesus, and I want them to come to Jesus when they're younger and when they still have energy. Mm-hmm. 
when they still can really be an asset to the community that they're trying to help. Uh, it's great if you come to him on your deathbed, heck, whenever you come to him. But I want brothers to come to him younger where you can really enjoy that kingdom living here on earth and, you know, really maximize your potential uh, as a human being here. I came to the Lord at 21 years old. I wish I had known him uh, in more of a personal way when I was young. You know, it would have saved me from a lot of baggage. You know what I mean? And that's what happens. A lot of people, you accumulate baggage, negative baggage experiences when you're living in the world or away from the Lord. And then when you come into the Lord, you still have to deal with a lot of that baggage. Um, wow. Yeah, I, I agree with everything. I think one thing that definitely helped me out when I was young, you know, going to, you know, conferences like you or going to a retreat or even going to just a church, I think a lot of times we can get like a spiritual high, you know, where it's like, man, this this sounds good. This is very motivating. But, you know, two or three days later kind of wears off. And I think for me, what helped me out uh, was really just putting my putting the right content in my head, you know, so getting in my Bible. I think, you know, especially us as young believers, I, I feel the real need for discipleship, somebody that can really teach us how to how to read the word, interpret it, interpret it and conceptualize it and apply it to our lives, um, how to pray, you know, you know, through difficult situations, through joyful situations and really just how to love and serve one another. I think that's one of the biggest key pieces that I feel like I had the blessing and fortunate to have was being discipled through college um, and really just having somebody just really pour into me and love into me versus just kind of like going to church and kind of going through the motions. Right. I don't know if I would have ever really got a home, uh, like a swing of it because nobody really, you know, held my hand and, and walked me down the path. You know, I think sometimes in order to, to really follow Jesus, you know, we definitely got to understand the cross, understand repentance and understand all those things. And I think, you know, us as a community, especially as men, to be able to really foster these healthy relationships of these men that's trying to follow Jesus. I think, you know, we're called to really just be disciples. And I think that's one of the things that I want uh, to see more of. But you also said something um, that I want you to explain to the young men versus following the world and the, the, the so-called benefits of it and the disadvantages of it versus following Jesus, you know, like we both have that same admiration of young men, you know, that, that has you know, not that much responsibility, a lot of energy. They can really work on their purpose and their passion for the Lord. And they seem like ideal candidates to really um, make their personal relationship with the Lord as young men to foster it to being better husbands, fathers and community leaders in society. But how can we redirect all that energy towards, you know, their work? towards the world, towards women, to, you know, to, to Jesus? How can we direct, uh, push them towards that? Well, I, I think one of the things that we, we can do is, as men, um, we have to, those of us who claim to follow Jesus Christ, we do need to live it. You know, we're not going to be perfect, mm. but we do need to, I mean, Paul said, you know, a lot of times, Chris, 
you'll hear people nowadays, it's, it's kind of fashionable in the church to say, well, don't look at me. Look at Jesus, you know, and I even just said, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, don't let human beings that follow Jesus or claim to who stumble and fall or some who are just hypocrites. Don't let that stop you from coming to the Lord. That's legitimate. But I don't, you know, Paul didn't take the approach of, hey, don't look at me. You know, don't look at you. He, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. He said, you can look at my life. Yeah, I'm not out here tripping. I'm not out here being a living contradiction. I'm following the Lord. I'm not perfect, but I'm living for the Lord. You can bank on that. And so what you see in me, you can follow. You can exemplify. We all need role models, whether it's in business, whether it's in sports, whether it's in academics, whatever it might be. We all talk about the value and importance of role models. And a businessman, a an athlete, uh, a professor, they're not going to say, hey, don't look at me, you know. No, they're going to say, this is how you do it. Follow my example, you know, because I'm disciplined, the root word for disciple, I'm disciplined in this, this realm. And that's how we need to be as believers, as Christian men. We need to live out the faith. And where people can look at your marriage and say, yeah, he, he, he he's exemplifying Christ-like behavior in his marriage, your relationship with your children, how you behave in the workplace, how you carry yourself in general. Yeah, he, he lives Christ-like. And so that's number one. We need to be examples uh, for other men out there. And number two, and it's not necessarily in order, but number two, we need to be unashamed. Like, like mm. why there's still too many Christian men that seem to have a sentiment that the world, the worldly man is the ideal man. Almost like, man, I wish I could be out there like with all the honeys, you know, like that, but nah, I can't, I'm saying, you know, like we don't need to have that attitude. <laughs> we are the ideal man. Not perfect, certainly. But when God created man, he created him to have a personal, vibrant, intimate relationship with him. He created him to walk in his statutes. He created him to walk according to his will. He created him to be faithful to his wife. He created him to be uh, loving and compassionate with his children. He created him to, you know, live according to God's principles and values. So those of us who are doing that or doing our best to do that, why are we ashamed? Why are we shy about it? Why are we hiding it? You know, the the pimps are bold. The the players are bold. The gangsters are bold. You know, the, the racists are bold. You know, the, the, all these other, you know, the power mongers are bold. The selfish are bold. We need to be bold. Paul said, pray that I might be bold, that I might have the boldness to Mm -hmm. preach this gospel. There is a power in boldness. Look at all the great leaders, even the Malcolm X, who wasn't a Christian. One of the strengths of Malcolm X was he was bold. And that attracts people. So we need to live out our faith, be bold and unashamed about our faith. I'm not saying you see me on TV. I'm not throwing the Bible at everybody. I'm not, you know, all that. Yeah. 
there's a time for that. There's a time for other things. But in but I people do know I live according to my faith. I, if you ask me a question about it, if you bring it up, if a door is open, we gonna talk about it. You know, and and I'm just as proud of living for the Lord. The Bible says, make our boast in the Lord as you are for living in the world. Not you, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And that's how yeah, we, because yeah, yeah. that's an example to me. And then finally, I think like one thing I did, one reason I created the King Movement was to uh men need male bonding you know and females female you know one of the things that is so uh that that attracts us to whether it's gangs whether it's fraternities whether it's lodges uh whether it's sports or whatever it might be one thing that attracts us is that male bonding like when i look back at sports i played through college basketball in college and football and baseball and basketball in high school and growing up, my fondest memories are like the bonding, right? On the bus, Mm. you know, the joking around, the laughing, in the locker Mm -hmm. room, during practice, whatever, you know, like my best friends were were my teammates. And we need that as men and we need it in the Lord because that's one of the great things about the King Movement that we hear every single year. His brothers say, man, it's just so good to be around hundreds of men who are outwardly talking about God, who are striving to live yeah. for the Lord, who are open and transparent about the challenges, but who are excited about Jesus. You know, you go to church. Yeah, you see the pastor, you see deacons and stuff. But generally, you see women excited about Jesus or older men, yeah. you know. But we need yeah. to, brothers and men need to see younger men um, that they can relate to in various ways who are excited about Jesus. And it's easier for us to do that and have that boldness when we're connected with one another. And that's why the King Movement, we want to connect, yeah. brothers, so you understand you are part of something bigger than yourself. You have hundreds and thousands of brothers who are out there with you fighting the good fight of faith. And that gives you a boldness. Uh, and so those are a few of the things that I think we need to do to attract more men to the kingdom and to Jesus Christ. Yeah, I agree with everything. I think especially the living out the living out part, you know, I think it's so, even for me, it was so easy for us to say, you know, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Christ, what he did on the cross. Um, but, you know, faith without works is dead. And I think that was something where, it was kind of like, I felt, you know, the Bible calls it double-minded. Sometimes it calls it lukewarm, one foot in, one foot out. And it was like, you know, to certain groups of people or or certain days, like on a Sunday or on Wednesday, people can see the Christ in me. But, you know, the other days, people would have no idea. And I think that's part of the, the, I think a lot of the, I would say, a lot of the, confusion or the lifestyle I would say that most Christians be living um, especially if they're you know not really living it out part I think in certain communities they can kind of mask it and make it work and then when they're around friends or certain uh, right. other people or situations they be like man I didn't know he was I didn't know he followed God at all you know and I think um, us really having our action behavior and lifestyle changes to obey the word 
brings validity to the faith. And I think it's really hard for people that want to really share the word, give it to God, and and even, you know, tell people their testimonies if they don't have the action behind it. You know, I haven't been going to church that much. I haven't been reading the Bible that much. I haven't been praying that much. You know, I haven't been doing those things. And I think a lot of times that would help with the boldness. Right. You know, if you're not going to really be, you know, fearless, if you know you're not really practicing, you know what I mean? If you're not, if you're not really living it out, I think the anxiety, that stress, all is going to, it's going to build because what if I get exposed? Like, what <laughs> if somebody asks me a question I really don't know the answer to? Or like, you know, well, what, what, what church do you go to? And you, you really don't, you know? So I think uh, really applying the word to our life would help out in, in so many different ways. But I think that, I think, like you said, that male bonding is really what it is. Um, really building that community of, of men that can pour into each other and, and really help each other along the way. Um, because I think it's so, even growing as more of a believer now in, in, in my walk with God, it's, it's a beautiful thing because I, I, I originally had a wrong mindset where if you transform and God, Jesus comes to your life, transform, you'll be a new person, new creation. And I'm thinking that's like my personality. I'm thinking like the, the desires, the way I dress, how I carry myself, even the music I listen to some of the time to a certain extent, obviously. But um, I'm thinking it's like I'm a complete 180 person. Like I'm not going to be my personality that everybody knows me as but it's like no I'm still me and it's more so like my priorities you know my lordship my dependence is all increased on God and I'm like you said I'm more open and active about my faith we ain't got to talk about the Bible we want to talk about whatever we want to talk about but if you do open the door and especially if you say something not biblical we really about to talk about it now, you know? So, (laughs) you know, so I think that's something where I want the men listening. It's like, you can be yourself. You know what I mean? You can be, have your personality, have your jokes, the way you carry yourself. You know, the young days, people call it your swagger, whatever y'all want to call it. You can still be that and be of the Lord. As long as you're being light to the darkness. And like you said, you really just sharing um, your faith when times comes. I think that's where, uh, we can really still be us and use our gifts and talents to serve one another. I think a lot of times we feel like Christians are trying to change me or change my behavior or change this about me versus, you know, it's like, nah, it's really the personal relationship through Christ, understanding, you know, the gospel, understanding repentance, forgiveness, and then you getting, up, like, understanding those things, you apply certain things in your life and it will look like transformation because you won't look like the world. You won't look like what everybody else is doing. No, nah, no doubt, man. And, um, and and another thing for men, you know, obviously in male culture and, and just in general, uh, in non-Christian culture, people glorify sin, right? And if you think about what a lot of people think a real man is, it's a womanizer. It's a, it's a man with all the power. It's a man who got other people under his thumb. A lot of times, not all of the, characteristics people associate with a man but some a lot of them are sinful and and the thing is Mm -hmm. the bible says in peter uh in one of his epistles i can't remember which one exactly but it says you know it talks about the the sinful flesh and it says the sinful desires wage war against your soul so when you're living in sin there's literally a war going on with your soul 
you know, if you're living as, if you're out there, you know, just with women all the time, men all the time, whatever, sexually immoral, um, you know, a racist, you know, whatever it may be in particular sin, that is literally waging a war against your soul. And you see so many people who are highly successful, wealthy, uh, on the outside look like they got it going on. But there's a real war going on inside of their soul. And, uh, and the Bible says a lot of times that's because you are living in sin. And that sin is waging war. And, and even if you're not out there buck wild, you know, <laughs> we all in sin, you know. Yeah. And, and so you still need forgiveness for that sin, uh, whatever it might be. And that sin keeps you away from God. And so that that that's what a lot of people are looking for. You know, today, man, with all the advancements, the technology and the great things we have, it, there are so many people who are just overridden, overwrought with anxiety, uh, overwrought with mm. mental health issues and various other things. And uh, a lot of that is because, you know, people are are focused on the wrong things, you know, and so. Uh, I, I, those are other w reasons and examples of why men and women, but men in particular, we're talking about, you know, need to come to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another thing is, I think church hurt too. I think I seen, yeah. you know, talking to a lot of men, um, you know, just, just recently, just being more open with my faith has started up a lot of conversations with a lot of men. And I, and I noticed that church hurt plays a huge role in their reasoning for not following God, where it was like this, this church or this organization, or even this Christian man or woman have hurt me in this way. You know, if, if they're supposed to be a representation and ambassador of God, you know, how, how are, how could they do this to me? How could they treat me like this? Um, and, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on what would you would tell a person that had those, church hurt experiences where like like I said the organization has hurt them or a person has hurt them and they kind of hesitant or you know not not as joyful or wanting to follow Jesus because of those people no nah, that look church hurt is real um and I think one there's several things to say about it number one that's one reason that if you look at the bible most churches don't follow this to be honest but when you look at the scripture there's such a thing as church discipline when you find yep. out someone who's in the church who's claiming to follow Christ is really tripping in their lifestyle, and let's keep it real, Chris, people have been abused in all sorts of ways in churches, sexually, physically, Absolutely. emotionally, mentally, and I, I understand completely how that can really wreck a person and, and wreck their faith. So I, I definitely understand it, and it's a big topic, but that's one reason that the Bible talks about church discipline. If you know somebody's out there doing that, or, you know, hopefully not going that far, but, you know, just doing things they shouldn't be doing, uh, harming people, not exhibiting Christ-like character, you need to talk with them. The leadership needs to address it and, you know, push them to really live for the Lord. So, uh, and that's an example to others, because one thing, and you kind of alluded to it, yeah. is when you suffered in the church and nothing's done about it. Sometimes it's glossed over. 
The people know you were a hurt, abused, whatever, and it's glossed over. That can lead you to think, is God okay with that? Are Christians okay mm -hmm. with that? And it can really cause confusion. Um, and so that's another reason church discipline is important because people need to know this is wrong. And we all acknowledge yeah. it is wrong and it needs to stop, you know, and that person needs to go if necessary. And so there, that's one aspect of it that would stop uh, or at least better contextualize and, and, and help the victims of church hurt. Um, secondly, what I would say is church hurt on an individual, there's it on an individual level and then there's church hurt on a macro level. And we talked about it last time I was on with the roommates a few years ago. Uh, and this notion in the black community, and to be honest, in communities of color worldwide, uh, brown, yellow, red, whatever, um, this notion that like Christianity is the white man's religion and was used to, you know, boost up the, the white and European communities all over the world and oppress the communities of color. Well, that's a macro version of some church hurt because a lot of, I certainly don't think people who oppress and discriminate and violently, you know, separate families and castrate men and rape women, which is all a part of slavery and colonialism and, and, and you know, as well. I certainly can't characterize those people as Christians. I mean, it's just, there's yeah. nothing in the Bible that says that that is a follower of Christ. All right. But they claim to be right. And they yeah. had churches, not all of them, all the churches and Christians were like that, but a lot, some of them were, and there, that's a macro form of church hurt. So when people point out, look at, you know, how blacks were enslaved by so-called Christians and this and that, that is just another form of church hurt. And it does, it is an obstacle to people coming to the Lord. And so those are some things, but I would say what I would say to the victims of that is one, God feels your pain. Um, God understands. God loves you. God is on your side. Um, th this is not something that was your fault. Um, Jesus was a victim. You know, sometimes people act like a victim is a bad word. Oh, you acted like a victim. Well, sometimes people are victims. Now, you know, mm -hmm. that victimization is not a destination. But yeah, it's not identity. Yeah. Part, right. It can be a part of your life. There have been times I was victimized. I'm sure you've been victimized. Like people sometimes are victimized. You don't stay there. You don't wallow there. That doesn't become your identity. But it might be a part of your life. You know what? I need to go through this and overcome this. And Jesus, no fault of his own, right? No, no sin, committed no sin, but yet was crucified on the cross, victimized. All right. So he can under, understand and empathize with being done wrong, but through no fault of your own. And he can comfort you in that. And, and, yeah. you know, help you overcome that, help you deal with that. Uh, and so, and that's what he came to do. You know, he came yeah. to say, he said, I came to set the captives free. That's, you're captive. When you've been abused and hurt by the church, you're captive. You're held as a captive. You're in bondage 
to that abuse, to that trauma, to that pain, to that experience. And Jesus' message was, I came to set you free from that. And again, what I said earlier, Chris, don't look at just what somebody who claims to be a Christian or to be honest, might be a legitimate Christian, how they hurt you. But look at the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So when you keep your focus on the Lord, then you, you know, you can gain peace. You know, you can gain joy. You can gain victory and freedom from that, that bondage. So those are some of the things I would say. Yeah, I agree. I I think a lot of times we connect um, our relationship with God and relationship with people or our relationship with church. And it's kind of like, not necessarily it's contingent. Like I'm, I'm following God contingent on, you know, these people in this church. But mm-hmm. a lot of the times it's like, you know, these people have helped me, led me to God. These people have um, helped me, nurtured me, but these people have hurt me. How can God let this happen? And I think a lot of times, like you said, it may have, if we don't have a, 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 a personal intimate relationship with God, then we can allow those people, those examples, church, church, spiritual, I mean, spiritual abuse, whatever we want to call it, um, kind of sway us from following God. And I think that's definitely where really deep diving into the word and having a personal relationship, working on that, like filling our head with the right contents, scripture memory, things like that can definitely help us um, discern, you know, even if you go to a church, what the sermon would sound like, but I hold up, is this biblical or not? You know, or what if this, like, like how is this person answering this question? How is he treating me? Is it, is it, is it, are they showing Christ-like character? I think a lot of time we're so dependent on other people to kind of help us along the way um, that we don't really take that personal accountability or responsibility to like, man, let me see what the word says to me. Let me see how, um, you know, I can really apply this. And let me see what even other people, like what other sermons are saying, what other um, other Christians are saying. And I think that can help us along the way. And I think a lot of times we have to change our perspective when we go through tri- go through trials. You know, I think that's one of the things I had to learn when I went through my um, church hurt. You know, I had a Christian organization that wanted me to uh, be a part of their ministry. That was actually the first job offer before I got out of college was to do on-campus ministry. And and at the time, I felt like God didn't want me to do it, but also there were some things that I was friends to the world and I didn't really want to give up at the time. Wasn't really honest with myself because I didn't know what it was, but um, I just knew that I didn't feel like God was calling me to do the, the on-campus ministry. And I was I felt like I got hurt by those people. When I said no, relationships kind of went away. You know, things kind of changed. Things got really weird. And next thing I know, it's like I'm missing the church home now. And Mm -hmm. I think that kind of started the spiral of leaning on my friends who were Christians. But we also didn't have a lot of, I would say, um, oversight or um, push or direction. I think we had some training. But we was in the world out of college now. Nobody's really holding us accountable. There's no discipleship group. There's no Bible studies. It's kind of like we're just kind of figuring it out on our own. And I think slowly but surely, I kind of like got into some bad habits and things started to happen. Where I looked up, I'm like, man, what what happened in the last five years, you know, especially with my walk with God? 
And it took me to really get to a point where, like, I needed accountability and really repentance, where I was just like, okay, like, I'm not going to use these people or the church hurt as an excuse to do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. I think at one point in time I was hurt, legit hurt, and was affected by it, probably needed some help from some people. Um, But then at one point it became where it's like an excuse, like, well, this church did X, Y, and Z, yada, yada, yada. And it's like now, it's like I can live in that excuse, that justifiable excuse to certain some people who, because I feel like a lot of people, especially some Christians, and we can talk about it, I feel like Christians don't challenge people enough in their faith to be like, hey, you know this is wrong. You know the, you know you're supposed to be doing X, Y, and Z. But yet, since like, oh, this happened to you, you're going through this. Okay, I understand. You got, you got a, a license to do whatever you want, basically. Mm-hmm. And... I think uh, I think for me, it took me to look in the mirror where it's like you're an older man now and you like and I think a part of it was understanding the word where it's like, OK, if I, if, if I read it now and I felt like the word was just jumping out to me, it's like I can't live in this excuse of church or other people um, allowing me to do what I want. And I was that had to come for me personally. And I think that kind of helped with my walk uh, with the church hurt um, situation. And I think that really just having the right, and I think building and having the right community around me too. I wasn't, I didn't like have, um, wasn't in it by myself. You know, I got back in church. I got back with a spiritual leader, you know, people pouring into me. I think that helped me out a lot too. But I think a lot of times we live in the excuse of, you know, others or these other reasons for us not following God and I think a lot of times the men that are following God they either kind of like doing so on their personal level or they're not really challenging people enough to like really call people out on their faith because it's like well if you if you say you're a believer but your actions and your lifestyle is showing another way then like is there a disconnect what's going on there right Well, and I also think one thing that is connected to church hurt and confuses a lot of believers is when somebody who say, whether it was a church you grew up in or just got saved in later in life, whatever it might be, a lot of times if you see like the person or the church where you heard the gospel, where you got saved at, right? Or even a minister who's a really good preacher and then you find out, he's living a whole separate lifestyle as against the Lord or the church is doing some, some of that stuff that can confuse a lot of people because you can be like, I think a lot of people are like, well, is it really real? I mean, this guy was a tongue preacher with breaking down the word and talking about Christ. And, and that's who I came to Christ through and he was bugging. So that, that leads to the question of their faith. But Paul addresses that. And this is, very important for Christians and people to understand. Remember when Paul was in prison and he talked about how some are preaching the gospel out of selfish ambition and deceit. Yep. He was saying yep. 2000 years ago, some people preach Christ for the wrong reasons. Some people preach Christ with insincere motivation, whether it's just to make money and make a good living or be a leader or have women, you know, be surrounded by women in the church and have access to them, whatever it might be. There are people who really aren't true followers of Christ who are preaching the gospel. 
And what did Paul say? Yeah. He said, but I thank God that the gospel is preached. Why did he say that? Because the word of God is so powerful that even if it's taught or preached by somebody who don't even believe it, by somebody who really isn't following the Lord, it still has the power to change your life. If I'm listening yeah. to a hypocrite, I don't know he's a hypocrite, but he's up there preaching the gospel. And let's keep it real, Chris. When you grow up, if you grow up in a church, you can, you can, you know, say you grew up, whether you're the son of a minister or you just grew up in the church, you can hear the preaching enough, the gospel enough to be able to preach it without believing it. Right. Yeah. Facts. So, That's big fact. Right. And let's say you listening to somebody, maybe he's charismatic. He's handsome. She's pretty, whatever it might be. She's charismatic, great speaker. And they're preaching the gospel to you. They're a hypocrite. You have no idea. And you hear it and you believe it. It can change and transform your life. It can change yeah. and transform your life. We as a people, African-Americans are a witness to that. Because some, some yeah. of the, our enslaved ancestors did hear the word from a hypocrites and racist. And yet they took that word and it transformed them. And they latched on yeah. to Jesus and it gave them hope and it gave them strength. And it, again, if you look at many of the, the, the great leaders who fought for our freedom, Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Frederick Douglass, Marcus Garvey, you can go on and on. They were believers in Jesus Christ. They didn't let the racism of someone who might have preached the gospel impact their faith and their relationship and their belief and love for God. And so it's important to remember because that confused a lot of people. And it used to even, you know, at times confuse me like, man, how can that? And then that scripture just opened it all up where... Yep. Even you, so don't be confused. The man who was preaching the word and you gave your life to Christ and got saved, you found out he wasn't sincere. That's all right. Cause the gospel is so powerful. It still changed your life. And that's, that's yeah. the beauty of it, man. And that's, that's what's awesome. Yeah, that's and That's beautiful. And, and even to add on to, on top of that, you know, when we, come across those false teachers or hypocrites or people that's, you know, practicing or preaching the word for selfish um, gain. I, the Bible also says all that stuff will come to the light at the end wow. of the day. And I think that's a beauty where it's kind of like, it helps me be peaceful where it's like, man, I used to go to certain churches and kind of just look like, look for something wrong. But sure. it's like, man, the Holy Spirit is in me. You know, I have like, like we can have wisdom and discernment. Where it's like, man, you can be peaceful and whatever sins or, or hypocrite or, you know, selfish gain that these leaders will have. One, I feel like the Holy Spirit will will say something like, hey, something ain't right here. And then two, um, I think that it will come to the light as well. And I think it's just kind of like really just trusting in the Bible, trusting yeah. what the word says. It's like I think that's one of the biggest things that I'm like, I even have to really challenge. It's like, no, nah, I'm going to challenge the Bible. Like, I'm going to put these these principles and values and I'm going to add these, them to my life. I'm going to see what the word says and I'm going to trust and believe in it and actually challenge it and and 
you know, when those situations comes up or where things uh, come up, you'd be like, man, this thing is true. It does have validity right. to it because it's right here. It's like, yeah, you're going to come across false teachers, false churches, people that you think, you know, don't have massive movements, but, you know, they are not my child at the end of the day. And I think um, that's something where just kind of really, like I said, putting that content in my head, in our heads to really understand, like, like, yeah, this is what I'm getting fed. I think a lot of times, like, I notice when people that want to get closer to God, you know, want to grow closer to God, a lot of people are not reading their Bible. Right. A lot of people are not going to the source. And also, a lot of people are not going to churches anymore because of the church hurt and also because of, I think, COVID. I think COVID right. had a lingering effect with people um, just stopped going to church because we really couldn't go anywhere. And now we're just yep. kind of watching it either on a short form, Instagram, Facebook, or long form like YouTube. And that's kind of like our churches right. now. And then sometimes we have an online community, a virtual thing, or just watching it, but no really in-person community and fellowship. But more importantly, I, I noticed that people do not read their Bible. What do you What do you think it is, or what do you think is the um, the roadblock to people that that recognize where they want to be with God, understand they they may have some church hurt, they may have some things they need to go over, but they're not necessarily going to the source, the Bible. Look, man, and, and I spoke, I preached this message at the summit. It it was called "Let Us Make Warriors, Spiritual Warriors," mm. and the only way, the key to your spiritual victory is the word of God. Obviously, it's the Holy Spirit living in you and being led by the spirit and following God. But the, 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 the handbook, if you will, for spiritual victory is the word of God, period. And if you're not in your Bible, then you're not going to have spiritual victory. I'm not saying, and the great thing, again, you don't have to be a, uh, have a master's degree in theology. You don't have to understand pre-millennialism, post-millennialism, millennialism You don't have to know all the symbolism in the I don't book. know none of that. I don't know what right? Chris just said. <laughs> but in that sense, Chris, I look at the Bible in a lot of ways like math, Right. So think about it. If you, as a citizen of the United States, if you understand the basic principles of math, multiplication, addition, subtraction, division, you can thrive in this society, right? You, you don't have to know geometry, calculus. I'm not saying don't study those things when you're in high school, if you're in class or whatever, because they do help expand your mind and get you to think more critically and things like that. However, I can't tell you the last time I, that <laughs> I needed some geometry or trigonometry, you know, in my life, right? You don't, it's good to know those things, right? Calculus and all that stuff. But if you don't, you still can live a healthy, successful life. It's the same thing with Christianity and with the Bible. You, if you don't know all the deep, the deep, deep things about the Bible and the Lord and the theology and all that. If you just know the basics, you know who Jesus is as the son of God. You know, he died on the cross for your sins. You know, the morals and the principles you're supposed to live by. You, you know, you follow the basics that you know, you can live in spiritual victory. 
If you know all the other stuff, that's great. But just knowing the basics and following the basics and having faith in the basics, you can live victoriously. And so getting in the word is critical, man. And I look, there is, there are levels, different types of spiritual warfare. There's a, there is a supernatural power encounter type warfare. Most of us aren't dealing with that. Let's keep it real. In America, most of us aren't dealing Mm -hmm. with that. Most of us are dealing with the spiritual warfare where it's a battle in our minds, right? It's a battle for the mind. And it comes down to, are you going to believe God and what God says in his word and what God says about you in his word? Or are you going to believe the world, your flesh or the devil and what they say or what they say about you? That is the spiritual warfare that most of us are fighting boils down to that. And if you believe God and his word, then you can live in the victory and freedom he died to give you. If you believe all those other things I mentioned, then you will be, you will walk, you will not walk in the victory that God wants us to walk in and created us to walk in. So that's where, to your point, reading the word, being in the word, memorizing scripture. You know, when Jesus was tempted and, and, and the devil came at him, what did he do? He didn't rationalize. He didn't go to history. He didn't, he went to the word three times. He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. And that's what we need to say. When we get a thought, when we get a temptation, when someone tries to tell us, about this this is true about morality this is true about spirituality this is true about god we need to test it against the word of god and say no because it is written that blah 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 it is written that such and such a thing in the word of god and so that is critical and and sometimes some people may say well i tried to memorize scripture i still feel but you have the word has to become a part of you you have to be led by the spirit and you have to be in the Bible talks about being washed by the word. You have to be washed by the word. It talks about being renewed in the spirit of your mind. It talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. All of that mm-hmm. is, is talking about letting the word of God transform your thinking. So are you, you mentioned it a few times. Are you feeding and feasting? On the word of God, or are you feeding and feasting more on social media, on secular hip hop, on movies? And I'm not even saying on your work. I'm not even saying these things are bad, all of them. But are you feasting on things that lessen your faith? Are you, are you, you know, you might be feasting on those things and spending very little time in your word. Very little time. You don't memorize scripture. You pray, you know, once a week. You, 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 you don't read the word. And you expect to have victory when you yeah. are bombarded daily with the thinking and the mindset of the world and the devil. And then you fight in your own flesh. And so yeah. Yeah. the word, I can't emphasize how important it is to get into the word because the Bible says that man is a liar, but God, God can't lie, you know, and God's word yeah. is true. And, and I'm, it's just like the United States constitution. 
you know, if you want to not let people override your privileges you have as a citizen of the United States, you have to know the Constitution. So if they come to you, even the police with something, you if you know the Constitution, you know your rights. Because that's the Constitution, that's the rule book for the kingdom of the United States. Even though it's not a kingdom, it's a democracy, but you know what I'm saying. The same, yeah. for the, the same thing in the kingdom of God. In our kingdom, the rule book, it, the handbook is the Bible. And the devil can't override scripture. He can't override yeah. it. And so the more you know, the more the word, if it's, you've been renewed by your, the word and it's, you've embraced it in your heart and, and you follow it and, 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 you know, you believe it. That is when you will walk in the victory that God purchased for you on the cross. Amen. Yeah, man. I think the Bible, what it says in the Bible, that the word is living and active. And I think that's the, the beautiful thing yes. um, about it. You know, it's, it's, it's so, it's so much truth in there, so much guidance, so much wisdom, so much knowledge, but also it's a love story. I think that's the biggest thing yeah. that, that I know is with the Bible is, is the greatest love story ever told. And, um, and I, I, I got to thinking as you were talking, you know, especially about, um, some of the men that that had like attended your 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 conference and also the ones that that speak there as well and and I think we have a very similar vision of you know going after young men at least for me particularly kind of like out of college so like twenty one to thirty five mm-hmm. uh, but I, what I've noticed is it's not so much these young superstars really speaking out on their faith. You know, really kind of like going to a King's movie and, and, and sharing their testimony. You know, I noticed there's a lot more older men, which is fine. I, 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 I wonder if they just don't have the opportunity or if there's not really uh, a, a young kind of star athlete out there that's, you know, ready to take that position. Because I think those young stars have so much influence on the younger generation, especially as men. Um, that, you know, like LeBron has inspired me more ways than he had even realized. Like that LeBron commercial in the Super Bowl last year when he went to visit himself as a young kid 10 years later, you know, this would, I, I, I literally, like if I had to go visit myself 10 years ago and saw the position I was in, I would not have been happy. I was like, you know what? That inspired <laughs> me. But I think a lot of, uh, I think a lot of, uh, uh, you know, the, the youth is missing that young rising star who's a follower and going after for Christ that's really speaking out and not really, uh, like, you know, shielding, shielding their, or shielding their faith. You know, um, how can we, you know, really kind of create more either opportunities or, or something where we can get um, these kind of younger stars have more influence on these communities to kind of just really just live out the Christian life? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. I, you, you've had some. I mean, Tim Tebow was obviously very outspoken. Yeah, and, yeah, you had Tim. Yeah, yeah, he inspired yeah, a lot of people. To Steph, your point to a certain about, extent. Steph Curry. Yeah, Steph Curry, yep. Um, and to your point of how important it is, when I was not a believer, uh, but but I had been convicted by the Lord and knew I needed to become a believer, the story I, I read in Sports Illustrated about Charlie Ward, who was a Heisman Trophy winner 
I think this was before he won the Heisman. He was still at Florida State in college. And mm-hmm. I read that he was a believer. And that inspired me. I didn't know Charlie. I wasn't like a huge Charlie Ward fan. But just knowing that such a great football player was a follower of Christ. And even Evander Holyfield, uh, a, a bot, you know, heavyweight champion, uh, seeing that he mm-hmm. him being outspoken about the Lord. I know he had some, you know, he he, he had some lifestyle issues, but still, just seeing him out, speak out about the Lord uh, in a bold way in such a, wow, that dude's a heavyweight champion. He's talking about Jesus. Like, that, those things really did inspire me. Uh, so there, you, you are not overstating the impact that some of these superstars can have on the culture. And I think, so like you said, we mentioned a few. I think um, I think quite honestly, sometimes the guys who are strong believers aren't superstars. They might just yeah. be regular role players, you know what I mean? And so people aren't as drawn mm-hmm. to them, number one. I think number two, um, sometimes, to be honest, cats get caught up. You know, sometimes dudes who, who really love the Lord, um, they get into the league and the world becomes their oyster and temptation is all over the place and they fall and they, they get caught up in that for a while. Um, and some of them may, you know, may walk away from the faith, you know, but some of them, it's just a, 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 a season that they went through that they go through that is tough. And so obviously if they're struggling with that, they're not going to be, like you said earlier, they're gonna, not going to be as bold and as confident about yeah. speaking out about their faith. Um, and some of them, even if they don't fall crazy like that, they still are in an environment where most of their teammates aren't in the Lord. Um, their coaches yeah. may not be in the Lord. They're, they're surrounded. They're in, a, they're in an environment now that is not promoting the Lord and it's very worldly, you know, all of us are in a worldly environment, of course. Yeah. yeah. But that's yeah. at the, that's to the nth degree because of all the money, yeah. the fame and yeah. the you know access and things. And so even if you stay out of that or you just dabble a little, you don't full go full bore. It can weaken your faith. You still might be a believer, yeah. but it can weaken it to the point where again, you're not walking in that victory. Because you, it's weakened your faith. And so I think all of those are factors. And to you, you are right that I, it would be wonderful if, if a young superstar, um, you know, was really outspoken about the Lord. And again, I've seen several, but a lot of times they aren't stars, you know what I mean? Or, or superstars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, um, but a lot of them are just finding their way, man. I, and just got to be honest, yeah. like, you know, it's because I, I know dudes that have come into the league as, as believers, and and a lot of them were raised in the church and, and raised wow. to be believers. Um, and I'm not saying most, but a, a good number. And yet, like a lot of young men, like you even mentioned, you know, with your own self, you know, you going through that, you're finding yourself. You know, your faith was really based on your parents. You know, you believe, but it was really put in you by, and and so you're kind of going through, you know, your growing process uh, or your searching 
And you're doing it in the fishbowl of the NBA, the NFL. The, you know what NBA. I mean? That's yeah. the thing. Everybody, like, and now I, I was different in that because I got saved at 21 and just caught caught fire on at 21. Yeah. I didn't grow, I grew up Catholic, but it wasn't the intense Bible-believing Christianity. And so I if 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 you grow up in that then it you can you know sometimes you might be lukewarm just cuz you grew up in it you know what i mean and you you didn't experience yeah. the world or you know so you're not as on fire at, at at initially or at one point where somebody who gets saved and they didn't really know much about the lord at all and they catch fire and you know they were out in the world they're going to be more bold you know um, it's like yeah. Jesus said, he talked about the, the person who hasn't been, we talked about a judge forgiving somebody's debt. He said, who's, who's going to be more grateful, the person who didn't owe as much or the person who owed a ton. A lot of times if you grew up in the church and yeah, you might not have been perfect and you know, you did a few things, but you're sheltered from a lot. So you, your debt of sin debt isn't, it's there, but it isn't as high and you don't understand it. And so you're not as on fire. But that person who was out there bugging and experiencing yeah, all yeah. fear of mess and was knee deep in sin, you know, they come to the Lord. They really thankful and they catch fire. And so I think all of those are factors in, you know, why, you know, you might not see as many young cats uh yeah. bold proclaim in the Lord and yet shout out yeah, to yeah. all I think, uh, do yeah absolutely absolutely and, and just thinking about it, I think sometimes just like it can just be a timetable where it's like they're so focused on their work their career and it's kind of like you know they feel like that that is their passion that's their purpose that's why God put them on the earth and sometimes it takes um, you getting out of those situations and it's like now you got all this time, this energy and you feel that void in with God. I think that's how can, a lot of people can start uh, speaking more about their faith as well. Um, but you also mentioned like just kind of like, you know, these athletes um, not getting caught up and we ain't got to go really into details on the John Moran situation, but just kind of like the situation of athletes getting caught up or athletes put, potentially putting themselves in, in harm where their career their influence is in jeopardy. Can, can you even, even if you can suggest or some ways that you have seen in the NBA or NFL, um, how athletes really protected themselves against the world, um, against, you know, their flesh, um, and created boundaries and defenses uh, to put up to make sure that, you know, they're walking, you know, not only in faith, but at least as a, a contributing man to society, um, an upstanding individual versus kind of just, you know, allowing, you know, the world or secular culture to kind of creep in and do some damage? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Uh, and, and Ja is an interesting situation. I don't know Ja. I don't know his dad. Uh, I don't know his his inner circle. Um, I do know someone who knew Ja when he was younger, all the way through high school and the family knew the family and is fairly close to the family. I know a few other people that are in Memphis and that kind of know a lot of, a lot of what's going on with Ja. And you've seen, there've been reports 
uh, there have been reports out there that he is, you know, kind of recommitted himself to his faith in Christ. I don't know if his family, mm. if he grew up in a Christian family, but it appears from some of the reports that, you know, he's rededicated himself to Christ and things like that. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but if, if that is a situation where you're talking about a kid that grew up in a Christian family, um, then it's, it, it's clearly a situation similar to what we talked about is, is a young man trying to figure out who he is. And, and really if he grew up in a, it, believing in Christ, then he's gotten caught up. You know what I mean? Yeah. In, in the world and then all of the things, the temptations that are placed right before him. And hopefully, man, it would be wonderful. Uh, I, I want the young man to, you know, get himself together and fulfill his potential, which is massive <laughs> on the basketball court. Um, it'd be wonderful if he, you know, is really a believer and, and really does, you know, recommit himself to Christ and begin following him. Uh, that would obviously be the ultimate from our perspective, but you know, um, I think that, you know, it's just a situation where he's got to really look at, and he mentioned this, look at all that's at stake for him. Um, look at, you know, the money, the endorsements, the image, all that, that he's putting in jeopardy because of some of the decisions that he's made. And he's just got to be smarter about it. Um, and so, uh, as far as other athletes, I have, yeah, I've talked to obviously several, you know, athletes over the years, uh, Christians. And if some of the things they do, I've talked to some, I won't name names, but one who um, is, has just like the, a lot of the players have their, their friends around them. They, some call it an entourage, whatever you want to call it, but some of their friends around them um, and they hang out and kick it and stuff. You got some of the Christian athletes I've talked to have a friend or friends who are strong in the faith, who who hang around them, uh, who they're in constant contact with, who kind of keep them strong in their faith. Uh, one brother I talked about, man, the temptation, how do you, and he was just like, you know, I was talking about the clubs, the women. He was just, I don't go there. He, he was like pretty matter of fact about it. He was like, look, it, it ain't, I, I was asking about how hard it is. He was like, it ain't that hard. You don't have to go out, <laughs> right? You don't have to put yourself in certain situations. And I, I feel him because I mean, I'm famous to some degree, right? I'm on the periphery yeah. of that Hollywood. I, I was in LA for several years, Hollywood. Like I, I could, you know, I've been to some parties, obviously there's certain types of parties I ain't going to. Um, but some of the things is like, I don't, I don't go to those things. I don't put myself in that situation. And to be honest, yeah. a lot of times I don't get invited to certain situations. And that's where, because cats know how I'm living. And some people might be, oh, uh, I, I want to be invited. But nah, the Bible says God is a shield, a shield to those who, who follow him and put their trust in him. When you, people know that I follow the Lord, so they don't invite me to go certain places, to do certain things. That's a shield. Because who knows what yeah. you might get caught up in. So people don't know. Some of this stuff, man, we always think about sin is, man, I wish I could be out there doing this. We all got those sins, right, that we look at and like, dang, I wish I could do that. You know what I mean? Like, 
But yeah. then there's those sins that we would hate to be caught up in. That we would Ooh. couldn't even imagine being trapped in. That we would be ashamed of, you know, if we if we discussed it with ourselves, if we got involved in something like that. And a lot of times those types of sins are attached to the ones you really like, you know, that you wish you could yep. do that you wanted. So you got to be careful, man, you know, and I've heard stories about cats getting caught up in all sorts of mess. And I'm thankful. I'm God's been a shield to me to protect me from even starting on like a gateway. It, you know, they talk about a gateway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gateway sins. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they yes, yes, yes. Madness that you don't really want to be down with. Um, but yeah, man, so I've stuck the guys uh, like that. And, and then one brother um, was telling me, and he was he was celibate in the NBA for three and a half years until he got married. And he was saying, you know, mm -hmm. he'd show up on the road, he'd get to the hotel on the road, he got messages on his phone from women he don't even know. Hey, I'm Michelle, you don't know me, but I think you're cute. I'd love to hook up tonight, you know, stuff like that. Women coming to his apartment uh, late at night, two in the morning, wanting to get, you know, you know hook up and stuff. Um, and, and this brother had a situation where he had a group of boys. They weren't on the road with him, but they were strong brothers in the faith. They were, you know, young cats his age that he could call at any time, any time. Yeah. Four in the morning. I got to call you. He could call them and they pray or they talk about it, or sometimes they will, they might fly out, you know, when they could and kick it with him for a week, hang out with him for a week or two, you know, th that support system. That's so yeah. important, man. You know, we've, we've kind of talked about it in various ways, whether it was King with the brotherhood and the male bonding, but th the support system is critical. And that's what church is really about. Like, like Paul talks about, don't, forsake the fellowshipping with other believers. He's not doing that to put a rule on you, to put a burden on you. Yeah. Like Man, you got to go to church every Sunday or two times a week or whatever it might be. He's doing it. He's saying you need to be around like-minded people Minded. because yeah. most of your, you're going to be surrounded by people who don't agree with you, who don't have your worldview, yeah. who don't see things the way you do, who are doing things that you don't want to do. And so it's important for you to come together regularly with people who are of your mindset, who do share your worldview and who are encouraging you to live for the Lord. And so that's really what it comes down to, man. And in and, and church, church is great fellowshipping, but a lot of times it might be mostly women. A lot of times it might be people yeah. that aren't your age, right? People that don't understand hip hop. People that don't understand what you're going through at your age and where you work and your, you know, just the, you know, what your culture you're in. And so that's why, again, with King, we wanted to bring together men that could relate to each other and to other men in a lot of ways outside of the church, sports, yeah. culture, music, whatever it might be. And yet who love the Lord, you know, so, so it's important if I would tell a, a brother in the Lord who who's in, makes it to the NBA or the NFL, you know, you got to keep some brothers, some strong brothers 
that love the Lord like you do and be keep that fellowship with them. Keep that fellowship with them strong, obviously being your word. Um, and, you know, because I've seen, man, unfortunately, I've seen guys, you know, I talked about one way. I've seen it the other way, too, where guys enter the league and they, they, they enter believing in the Lord. And, man, they get caught up in so much mess. And whether they come back to the Lord uh, at, at some point later, They've they've done things that have really damaged their lives and things mm. that, you know, I talked about the baggage um, that even if they come to back to the Lord, they got situations that they got to deal with and that aren't mm. going to be easy. Now, it's great that they come back to the Lord and obviously he'll get them through it. But you you can you can, you know you put yourself in situations and create situations for yourself that, you know, are going to be with you the rest of your life. And they're going to be tough to deal with. And you may have even hurt a lot of people. You talk about the church hurt. That can be a form of the church hurt. You hurt people. Yeah. So you, you're not yeah. in people's lives that you should be. You broken relationships because of your broken relationship with the Lord, you know? And mm. so, um, yeah, it, you know, I've seen families go through challenges, man. You know, they work their whole, they work so hard to get their child to the NBA, to the NFL. And that's the end all be all. And then you get there and it can damage the, the relationship between the family can be damaged. You know what I mean? Mm. Uh, that lifestyle can, or that, that whole what's surrounding the league can lead your son astray and he get caught up in all types of stuff. And so you, you know, man, look, you got to be, uh, like I said, you need to be, be firmly in that word. And, and, you know, we know, we talked briefly about spiritual warfare. The devil also, he knows what type of impact a professional athlete who was really speaking boldly about the Lord could have. And so he's going to come at you you know, hard. And, and you have to understand that, you know, you're not getting the same attention from, from your spiritual enemies that you were getting when you were younger and nobody knew you or your, your boys in church who nobody knows who don't impact millions of people. Devil coming at you no. hard because he don't want you to be that light and be that example. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, man, that, that fellowship piece is huge, that community aspect. I think, especially nowadays, I, I hear more that, like, I don't have a religion. I have, like, a personal relationship with God, and they kind of, like, just walk with God on their own, which the Bible clearly says do the opposite, which is community and fellowship and pray with one another and all right. those things. And I think that's something that we have to... Uh, really continue to acknowledge and put out there that it's like you're not meant to walk this Christian walk by yourself. Like there's there's right. there's it's very dang it impossible to do that. And I think that having the right you know biblical men around you um, can definitely help you create those uh, barriers and defenses against the world. Because like you said, especially you are athlete like like because you have because of what you have your status and what you could do for them, 
you're going to naturally attract not the best people in the world, men and women. People are trying and I think to yeah, that showing to you, absolutely. yeah, absolutely. So yeah, they they gonna they they gonna show up and their selfish desires and and what they want to get from you um, can either lead you more to God or it can lead you more into the world. And I think you know just kind of really just understanding um, of that as as men in general. Um, I think we can definitely be able to create an army around us, you know, cause you know, I, and I think that the church piece is big being around a like-minded men and women that, that you can see. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing I love about churches. I can see men that's older, different walks of life. that are fathers that are even younger. It's just different sets of men that are following God. That's like, man, I can inspire to be like him in, in five years. I can inspire to be like that person in 10 years. I can speak like it's like you get to see different tier level of like uh, of these men and you get to kind of really talk to them, pick their brain, hear their testimony. And I think a lot of the times that the 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 blessings that I had to avoid some of the problems that some people deal with, it's just because I learned from other people. You know, what I mean, I learned from my older cousin, like, hey, if you have sex, you is a chance that you can get pregnant, you have kids. And I'm just like, huh. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want that. You know, I'd rather wait till marriage to, to do that. Right. So it's like sometimes you can right. use people um, and their experiences, and and they and they really have a testimony, honestly, to share. I think a lot of times that you know, guy, we go through stuff in the world that we can get a lot of baggage, damage, sin causes a lot of damages, gives us you know some unwanted responsibility, whatever the case. And I think those trials can now be testimonies once we come across and like, man, yeah, I was doing this. You know, following the world, following my passions, God intervened, and now, you know, this is how I, I was transformed. And I think, you know, those stories of um, those triumphs, those testimonies can help bring other people to the faith as well. Um, and I think that would be, I think we need more of that as well um, in, in our society. Well, Chris, yeah. I don't really don't want to take up way too much of your time. I know we, we are almost at an hour and a half, um, and, and I was blessed by this conversation, you know, I look up to you, um, what you're doing with the Kings movement is, is very, you know, I, I remember attending it a few years ago. I want to say it was 20, I think it was the same, either 20, 2018, I think we, uh, Fees and I came, um, to Atlanta when you had it in Atlanta. Um, and that's when we first met you. Yeah. And, um, I remember seeing, um, just kind of like the response, the men that were there, especially the black men that were there. Um, and, and, you know, I look up to you and what you're doing. I want to do very, something very similar in my hometown here in Houston of just bringing men together, you know, for the Lord. And, and so we can really just love e each other, but also help each other in our walk as fathers, as husbands, as leaders in society. So, man, I, I just want to give you your flowers while I can. You know, like you, you what you're doing is a beautiful thing uh, for the Lord. It's inspiring me. And, uh, you know, continue to keep going. If there's any support from the Roommates Podcast, from myself personally, any help, volunteer, whatever the case may be, um, always know that I'm in your corner, I'm on your team, and I can help you out whatever way possible. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that, man. I, I love what you guys are doing. I think you guys have done a fantastic job uh, with the Roommates Podcast, some great interviews you've had on there. I enjoyed being on it the last time, enjoyed this time. And uh, I'll just keep you guys in prayer, keep you in prayer, man, that God will Amen. just continue to bless you in your relationship with him and your growth. 
and that this podcast, mm-hmm. this is great, man, because um, it can really be, you know, men need somewhere they can go. They can just go and see. This was just a real conversation. And uh, I think that's that's what men really want to see. So I appreciate being on, man. Anytime you need me, let me know. Give me a shout. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. So for those uh, who want to thank you, ask any questions, follow up with you, learn more about the Kings movement, where can they find you? Uh, you can, my Instagram is Chris Broussard 68. Uh, my Twitter is Chris underscore Broussard. My, you can email us about the King movement at King at King movement.com. You can, uh, visit our website, which is King movement.com. Uh, and if you're interested in having me speak, I speak at churches throughout the country. I speak at spoken at several churches down in Houston. Uh, but I speak at churches throughout the country, uh, schools, corporate settings, whatever you want. Um, you can go to Chris Broussard speaks, dot com chris broussard speaks.com and uh set set something up for me to come and speak so um yeah man just uh let's stay in touch and again it's been great uh, with you today absolutely yeah i definitely uh reach out to you i think more probably on kind of like a mentorship organization when i'm trying to do my men's retreat in the fall kind of just get your thoughts and run through some things um just kind of just you know making sure i'm curating the right environment i wanted to create uh for sure i definitely want to get your thoughts on that no no doubt man that that's good that's all good hit me up absolutely absolutely i got you i got you uh appreciate you uh thank you everyone for watching um without further ado Chris has started a show here. I am joined by Chris Broussard. (laughs) And we are the roommates. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. It happens sometimes. And we are the roommates, and we'll see you all next week.